hotfix. Can you picture the dream if you can? A courtyard, an ocean with violets and blue. Animals trying curious poses. The heat between me and how can you just leave me standing? Alone in a world that's so cold, world is so cold, made to be my Goodness gracious. That is, that is not what it sounds like. <laughs> uh, I think that is what the kids would call extra. It is super extra. Well, hello and welcome back to the Varmints Podcast, where every week... We do a whole bunch of research to educate ourselves and you, the listener, on all things that creep, crawl, slither, fly, jump, hop, and swim on this planet, one animal at a time. My name is Paul. I'm alive! Woo! And I'm not an animal expert. It feels so good to do that and say that again. I know, right? Yeah. I'm Donna, and I'm also not an animal expert, and I am also alive. That's But I didn't catch the COVIDs like you did. No, that's I'm I'm happy. That makes me happy because you don't want that. You don't want that mess. No. Oh boy, I had like I tell people I had like all of 2020 packed into about six weeks of my life. That's no joke, right? It does not feel good. No, I had a lot of stuff happen to me, but I'm here. I'm here now. I'm here talking Yay. into a microphone for the first time in well, not for the first time in two months because if you've been listening to our spider a day thing, you've heard my voice here and there. So I'm, I'm recording again, just not a, a, a full episode of Varmints. This is the first full episode that I've recorded in two months. How about some news? Do it. <laughs> this is Varmints Headline News with your anchorman, some guy named Paul. Thank you, Matthew. Well, while we are, were away, a rock pigeon called Pidge got loose from... The Ecotarium, which is in Uxbridge in England, and he was returned. So it was like a a, a happy little thing that, that happened. Yay. He was found outside of the Green Room Billiard Club. The museum explained on Facebook that he was hanging around the club. Uh, a person called Bruce Gricky? Gricky. He noticed how friendly it was, and he took a picture of it, and he sent it to his wife, Angela. And Angela told him that the Ecotarium was missing a pigeon. And so they managed to catch the pigeon. They identified the band number as Pidge's. The Ecotarium confirmed it was Pidge, brought him back to the clinic for a health check. He got a clean bill of health, and uh, he's doing good now. He's one of the Ecotarium's animal ambassadors. So this it's a four-year-old bird. He's super popular when school groups visit the museum for presentations. Oh. He is trained to fly in a controlled setting. Yay, thanks, Angela and Bruce. 
the uh, the main worry for Pidge, of course, was predators like owls mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. And the staff were worried that Pidge, who doesn't really know how to forage, wouldn't be able to find food. But turns out he only lost about 10 grams of body weight. He 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 found things to eat, so he was okay. And he survived. He didn't get in, he didn't get attacked. He was he was okay. Hopefully, he got some humans to give him some snacks. Yeah, that... snacks, please. <laughs> That's what the article said. He, he, the pigeon managed to take, to take care of itself and ultimately did what it knew how to do: get food from people. Yep. Yep. Good for him. Yeah. Yay! Happy ending for Pidge. Yeah. Good news. I love that. All right, everybody, just a reminder, it's been a while, but go to thevarmints.podbean.com for our links to our audio and our show notes for today's episode. We're also on Twitter and on Instagram at, at varmintspodcast, all one word, and at varmintspodcast at gmail.com for questions, comments, stories, and suggestions. We have a Pinterest board that is managed by one of our wonderful Varminions whom we adore. Go over there and put varmints into the search engine and you'll find us. We also have merchandise at Redbubble. So go on over there, put varmints in the search engine and get yourself some varmints leggings. Why not? If you like the show, why not tell a friend about us and introduce them to our podcast where everywhere podcasts are found and word of mouth is the very best way to help us grow. <laughs> Let's go learn more about pigeons. This pigeons too. Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> Have you ever wondered about animals? What do they look like? Where do they live? Why are some of their legs also hands? Well, we have. So it's time to learn about animals. Yay. All right. Well, on Pigeons 1, we I gave you all the general info about pigeons and doves, and it feels like it was just two months ago. So we are talking about pigeons and doves today because they are both part of the bird family Columbidae. There are 42 genera, which is a taxonomic category under family, under family and above species, and 316 species. And they are found across all terrestrial habitats from desert, rainforest, mangrove, high alpine mountains... They thrive really well in urban environments. They're absolutely everywhere. And they all poop like champions. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if you release 30,000 of them somewhere, somebody's getting pooped on. <laughs> they are small to medium-sized birds with small heads compared to their pretty round little bodies. They're cute little birds. Mm -hmm. They have very dense plumage, which makes them look even bigger and rounder and larger. The largest pigeon is the Victoria crowned pigeon, which can grow to be 29 inches or 74 centimeters long and weigh up to five and five to five and a half pounds or two and a half kilograms, which is as big or bigger than a lot of chickens. That's big bird. <laughs> the common ground dove is among the smallest birds by mass in the entire world. They can grow anywhere from six to seven inches in length and weigh one to one and a half ounces or just 26 to 40 grams. That's a tiny little bird. Yeah. Generally speaking, the smaller birds in this family tend to be called doves and the larger birds tend to be called pigeons. But there are exceptions to that and we'll talk a little bit about that later on. 
their plumage is all over the place. Uh, wild pigeons and doves whose diets mainly consist of seeds tend to have dull plumage, while those whose diets are more diverse with more fruits and nuts tend to have more brightly colored plumage. And some of these birds are absolutely gorgeous. We get the word pigeon from an old French word that looks and sounds a lot like pigeon, and that word was applied to a young dove. Uh, and that word came from a couple of late Latin words, one of them being pipir or pipio, which sounds like the peeping of a young bird, kind of like an automatopoeia sort of word. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Dove comes from the early Middle English word duve or dove. I think it's probably dove. And that word is related to several words across Swedish, Dutch, and German. Uh, words that mean dive, like when a bird dives down to land or to get food. Male and female doves and pigeons are called cocks and hens, respectively. Their young are called squabs or squeakers, which I like a lot. <laughs> yeah. A group of doves can be called a bevy, a coat, a dole, a duel, and a flight. Whereas a group of pigeons is called a band, a dropping, a flight, a kit, a loft, a passel, a plague, which seems mean, and a school. Yeah. None of those seem really satisfactory. I think they should all be called a coup of pigeons. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what they say. They say coo. Coo, coo. Yep. We're going to talk about non-random mating, which can cause combinations of genotypes or phenotypes in a population of animals to occur more often than expected by chance alone. When scientists in eastern Kansas studied some populations of feral pigeons, and remember, those are pigeons who were wild, then got domesticated, and then escaped or were let go and established new wild populations, right? So, right. Feral. They gone wild. These pigeons were living on the faces of the Museum of Natural History at the University of Kansas. The researchers monitored about 50 sites, marking the birds with different kinds of leg bands so they'd know which bird was which, and they found that the birds were picking a mate whose plumage looked as different from themselves as possible. That's amazing. Isn't that cool? Yeah. So this is an example of heterozygosity in a population. And I'm going to have science dude explain what that means. Hey there, Varminians. Science dude here again. Today, we're going to talk about heterozygosity and homozygosity. Homozygosity is when each parent gives their offspring the same version of a gene. Heterozygosity is when each parent gives their offspring a different version of that same gene. Homozygosity can be useful in keeping beneficial traits in a population, but heterozygosity is generally more helpful in terms of increasing genetic variability in populations of animals, and genetic variability is useful in a species' survival. Okay, hope this either clears it up or makes you super curious to learn more. Have a groovy one out there. Science dude out. Far out, man. That was cool. Yeah. So does that make sense? It's basically a part of genetic variation by having babies with as many different gene combos as possible, right? Yep. 
So this study, as we said, was done on feral pigeons, so I don't know if it applies in the wild at all. It could be that this strategy is more beneficial in these urban environments than in the wild, but I'm not really sure how to find that out, but it's still very cool. It's very cool. Yeah, dude. All right, well, I'm going to talk about something that we talked about way back in our Flamingos episode, but I think it's worth repeating because it's a pretty fascinating little little process. One reason that pigeons and doves are able to thrive in any environment is because they have a bigger food box than even I do. <laughs> Wild doves and pigeons will eat whatever nature throws their way, whether that's worms, insects, small lizards, uh, seeds, fruits, berries, vegetables, they're all on the menu. And pigeons in cities will also pick through garbage for any leftover food they can find, dead things, whatever they can find to eat, they will eat it. Most birds' diets, they're not quite as diverse as pigeons and doves, so their young birds will depend on whatever mom brings back to the nest, whether it's worms or berries or fish or nuts. And sometimes mom regurgitates that food directly into the baby's mouths. But it's food that is in that specific bird's diet, right? Yeah. Pigeons, doves, and other birds like flamingos produce a substance called crop milk. Yeah, crop, crop milk is amazing. It really is. So the crop is a muscular pouch, and it's just an extension of the bird's esophagus. And the only thing that a crop does is its storage. That's where excess food is stored. There's no digestion going on in it it's just a place to put your food until you're ready to swallow it and digest it right and so that's why it seems like birds can just eat and eat and eat and eat is that they they fill up but then all the extra stuff is going in their crop for later on and you can it's funny birds with full crops just you can see <laughs> they have like they're not they're almost like big chubby cheeks right just before eggs are due to hatch, both male and female pigeons and doves will slow down or stop eating. And what that what that allows um what that does is it allows all of that stored food in the crop to go down in the stomach and be digested. Now the crop is lined with cells that are filled with fluids that are a byproduct of everything that they've eaten. And so when the crop is empty, those cells begin to slough off and they make a substance called crop milk. Now, crop milk is a semi-solid and crumbly substance that is similar in consistency and texture to cottage cheese. It's not actual milk. Uh, you know, proper milk comes from animals that have the equipment to actually make milk. It's just called crop milk because that's, I guess, a, a fun name to give I to I mean, it. almonds don't have mammary glands either but they also right. call that milk so it's right. fine. <laughs> we, we get it <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> it's a milk it's a cloudy milk-like substance <laughs> but this for this, birds yeah for birds <laughs> and it contains every single thing that a young bird needs it's like a really really healthy smoothie mm -hmm. so it has fat protein minerals antioxidants antibodies healthy bacteria everything that you need if you're a baby bird comes from this crop milk the adult bird just sticks their beak right down the the young bird's throat and just blop here's some food for you bud yep and that is called regurgitation so like i said the, the crop isn't part of the digestive system so 
usually when people use the the term regurgitation or regurgitate, what they mean is vomiting. And so regurgitation and vomiting are two different things. Regurgitation is just taking the stored food and depositing it into your baby. It's not it's not digested at all. It's just you're you're just transferring it. Baby pigeons and doves are fed crop milk for no more than a week, and at that point, the birds' digestive systems have developed to the point where they can forage for and eat the same foods as the adults. Right. It bears repeating that pigeons and doves in general are one of the most threatened avian orders in the world due to habitat loss, degradation, invasive species, including domestic cats that are allowed outside hunting, and we say it every single time, climate change, which is a real thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like we said in the first episode, if you have pigeons or doves in your area, the two best things that you can do for them, regardless of their conservation status, are don't feed them because they eat everything, they're fine, and keep your domestic cats indoors. Yep. And if you're going to feed them, make sure it's something birds eat. Because <laughs> there are some people you're not going to talk out of it, okay? Right. You know. And I get it. I have a bird feeder outside, you know. I get it. Yeah, but so. you don't put, like, bread and rice and garbage no, in the I, bird feeder. No, you, no. You give them it proper is, bird seed. It's bird seed for feeders in the, the for the birds in my area. Yeah. All right. Well, we are going to talk about pigeons and doves and pop culture and a couple other things, but we're going to do that right after I tell you about Patreon. Patreon supporters, uh, thank you for your patience. It's been a couple of months, and uh, we really do appreciate your support. Uh, it was a rough couple months, and, uh, you know, the fact that you guys uh, kept your support going really, really meant a lot to us. And uh, hopefully we are able to give back to you somehow. Uh, but mostly we're just really grateful for you. And if you want to join Patreon and support us for as little as a dollar a month, you get all sorts of nice little goodies and bonus things, bonus content. Uh, you can do that at patreon.com slash varmints. Well, this here's animal rancher and expert at large, Cotton Shorts. You know Paul and Don are just a couple of nerds like you, and they don't usually get to see animals in the wild. But so we'll talk about where they usually do get to see them, which is to say on popular culture, books, movies, television, and video games. Paul, do you remember the cartoon Animaniacs from the 90s and the early... 2000s, I think. Yes, I do. Yes, but do you remember the Good Feathers? (laughs) I do not. (laughs) The Good Feathers is a segment on the Animaniacs show that parodies mafia movies like The Goodfellas and The Godfather. (laughs) This helped give Animaniacs a little uh, comic credibility that would make it popular in older audiences, is what they say on the Animaniacs wiki. It features the birds that are the good feathers, an Italian-American trio of pigeons, Squit, Pesto, and Bobby. (laughs) Sometimes they're visited by their boss, the god pigeon. And the characters are based on Ray Liotta, Robert De Niro, and Joe Pesci in Goodfellas. Oh, I love it. 
They live on top of a park statue of Martin Scorsese in New York City, and they speak with very distinct New York accents. And their rival gang is made up of sparrows. <laughs> yeah, it's That's really so funny. fun. Every every little episode was hilarious. Um, we highly recommend that you check it out. But I picked a clip where Bobby has won a purse of birdseed in some contest. I don't know exactly what it was that he did to win, but the idea of the scene is that the the god pigeon is coming to take his cut, and it's all done in music, so you can't see it, but he only gives him one seed out of the whole big sack of birdseed. <laughs> and he takes the rest. And then he runs off with his girlfriend at the end. So, oh dear. Yeah, it's it's very cute and very funny, but that's what's happening in the scene, and you'll know when the god pigeon shows up. I guarantee it because it's okay. it's pretty obvious. So, let's just give it a listen. Oh, look at the purse! I never want so much seed in my life. Here comes the god pigeon. Hey, <laughs> And the god pigeon asked that as a bird of respect, I offer him a share of the price. <laughs> god pigeon says he's been cooing with my boy. He's been cooing with my boy. Forget about it, Bobby. She'll be back. At a bird pesto, always the optimist. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. There's a there's a clip that I really wanted to get, but it was just not really good for a podcast where the god pigeon is talking to Bobby. Bobby doesn't understand him. And the god pigeon is saying, Hey, you should come with me and we'll go sit on a Buick and then we can fly around and play poo poo bombardiers. And, and Bobby doesn't understand any of it. And he's like, what are you saying? We're going to get revenge and all this stuff. Oh, that's great. And then the God Pigeon has this long, like, it lasts forever. And all it says on the caption is, see ya. <laughs> it's just funny. Just a, just a really fun little gem for everybody to look at. Love the good feathers. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, last time I talked about pop culture, I talked about pigeons, and this time I'm going to talk about turtle doves. Hooray. Because they are everywhere in pop culture. Super duper. They have been in pop culture for thousands of years. The oldest wall reliefs in Egypt were found from about 5,000 years ago, and they depict doves being caught for food. But mostly turtle doves are symbols of peace and love, because of their beauty, the sound that they make, and their very affectionate behavior toward each other, and they are monogamous. So I'm going to touch on a few of those. The Roman deity Fides was the goddess of good faith, and she was often pictured holding a turtle dove. And in Greek mythology, the birds uh, pulled the chariot of Aphrodite, who was the goddess of love. Doves are mentioned throughout the Bible, both literally and symbolically. And a guy named Geoffrey Chaucer mentioned doves in a poem he wrote called The Parliament of Fowls. He wrote the wedded turtle dove with her heart true. Aww. 
Shakespeare was a big fan of turtle doves, and he used them to symbolize love and affection in his writings. He only called them turtle doves one time, and then the other five or six times he just called them turtles, which could be confusing if you're reading, um, you know, Shakespeare. Uh, Shakespeare is confusing anyway, but if you see him talking about turtles, he's talking about turtle doves. Have you ever heard of a Christmas carol called the 12 Days of Christmas? Yes. That's my least favorite <laughs> carol, actually. <laughs> so long. So repetitive. It, <laughs> uh, it is. Well, then you would know that in the list of the increasingly over-the-top, unrealistic gifts listed, uh, there are two turtle doves. Which is, again, a symbol of love and fidelity. And this person bragging on whoever gave them all this stuff... <laughs> They are annoying. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so I never understood that song. Listen, I never listen, ever understood Eunice, it. it. This isn't all that, okay? Like, <laughs> except she needy. totally emphasizes five gold rings, and you're like, <laughs> "Good, that's great, that's good." I'm glad he gave you five gold rings, Eunice. <sighs> <laughs> oh, you know, stinks. Hey, it's also really, really convenient that in the English language, the words dove and love rhyme. Yeah. Yeah. So we see this in popular music for decades. And if you're a songwriter, it's right there. It's a really easy option. It's low hanging fruit. You know, want a word that rhymes with love? Look no further. <laughs> Our listener Sophie suggested When Doves Cry by Prince, and as much as my little Gen X heart would love to play a snippet of that song, Prince's estate is just way too litigious, and we're back after two months of being gone, and I really don't want to attempt fate. Uh, no, yeah. I'm not going to not gonna, not gonna play that song. But at the beginning of the show, we heard Jack Black's rendition of that song, which was very over-the-top and silly and funny like Jack Black usually is. Yes. And we also find that Dove and Love uh, pairing in songs by Annie Lennox, Barry Manilow, Elvis Presley, Frank Sinatra, Journey, and Madonna. Uh, and you mentioned the Fleetwood Mac song in our last episode. Yeah, that's about yeah. the white wing dove. That's right. And it was in this commercial for Coca-Cola from 1971, and I will play that. We grew up with this commercial. Yes, we did. I'd like to buy the world a home and furnish it with love. Grow apple trees and honeybees and snow white turtle doves. I'd like to teach the world to sing, sing with me. There is also a brand of soap here in the U.S. called Dove. I have a bar of it in my shower. Me too. We use Dove in our house. And there are Dove insignias and logos on clothing. So my guess is that if you look and smell good, you're going to invite love and affection. Yes. So turtle doves and doves in pop culture, they are all over the stinking place. Didn't realize how far back some of those references went, like thousands of years ago. Oh yeah, absolutely. What's the matter with you? Aren't you hungry? Aren't you going to eat that? Come on, eat! 
I think we said last time that if somebody served us up some some squabs that <laughs> we would try them. Sure. Sure. Why not? Yeah. I mean, I don't think I would seek it out, but, you know, I would yep. try it if you put it in front of me. And I think we also mentioned last time that uh, things that eat pigeons, pretty much everything eats pigeons. Yeah, birds of prey, foxes, ferrets, snakes, rats, cats, dogs. Nature's buffet. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Interesting. Is your brain a repository of useless information? Well, let's help everyone win that next trivia night, or just sound smarter than the rest of the room with the Animal Fact of the Week. So while we were taking our little break, I posted a dumb meme about pigeons on the Facebook group Wild Green Memes for Ecological Fiends. I will include that meme in uh, the show notes. You can take a look at it there. And it got a little bit of attention and it got a few comments. And the comments were interesting enough that I thought I would share some of them here. They're little, little tidbits of information. Nice. Most of the comments were, birds aren't real. <laughs> <laughs> The whole birds aren't real conspiracy theory was started by a 20-year-old kid. It's just a very harmless, funny parody of some of the more dangerous and sinister conspiracy theories that go around on social media. The idea is that all birds are government surveillance drones. It's very silly, and this 20-year-old kid is making some pretty good money selling uh, stickers and t-shirts and, and that kind of thing. Good for him. It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. One person said that they have insane wing joints that enable them to do awesome acrobatics in the air that no other bird can do. I asked them for a reference, and I never heard back from them, but, you know, if you are the peel and eat shrimp of the animal kingdom, it makes sense that over thousands and thousands and millions of years that you would get better and better at avoiding predators in the air so that you could make, you know, so that you could live to make little genetic copies of yourself. Sure. Uh, another person said that their wings make a lot of noise, and that is an adaptation to sound an alarm to warn other birds if there is danger around. That makes sense. Yeah, we have the little morning doves here, and if you startle them, they sound like uh, Curly from the Three Stooges. Yeah? Yeah, they they fly away and go, woo, 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 <laughs> wings make a bunch of noise. It's so funny. <laughs> the ones that we have in my neighborhood, I only hear them in the morning, and they just talk to each other. They're like, oh. Yes. <laughs> but that's all they do. I don't even see oh, yeah. them. I don't know if, where they live. They must live in the bushes or something. <laughs> They're not real. Oh, birds aren't real. Speaking of which, there were a lot of mentions about they their uh, uh, their minimal nesting. Oh yeah. Very 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 minimal. <laughs> Not, so not the requirements, requirements. <laughs> no, the, the requirements for a pigeon, for a pigeon wanting to make a nest is that it has to be a pretty flat surface and mostly dry. Okay. And as long as, <laughs> as long as it meets those two criteria, any dry flat surface, whether it's the inside of a flower pot or a, you know, like a rooftop or a, a windowsill, like on a big building, or those are great places to lay. That's eggs. where we had the nest in the last place where I worked in a big office building was a nest of pigeons just sort of on the windowsill outside. Yeah. Yeah. 
They actually, I have morning doves here, and about once a year, they will lay eggs in my windowsill in my bedroom. Ooh, how fun. Yeah, the next time that happens, I'll have to take a little picture of it. Take pictures every it's... day until the babies hatch. I should do that. The next time they come and lay eggs there. Yeah, and then you can see the crazy little baby pigeons because they are so wild looking when they're born. <laughs> they're like, I'm not finished yet, clearly. <laughs> but it's dry and it's flat and they will just, you know, decorate that little space with a couple of sticks just to make it look a little nesty. And yeah. and that's where they lay eggs. It's really cool. Yeah. Nice. One person said that they're a gateway bird. A gateway bird. Get, so, like, the bird you get before you get hooked on having birds. <laughs> that's the bird you get then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> One person suggested that humans don't like pigeons because they're way too much like us. Intelligent, way too adaptable, and everywhere. <laughs> if you want to hear about pigeons being used in diamond smuggling, uh, it's a topic that I was going to cover, but our dear Patreon supporter, Melissa, has a podcast called Bewilder Beast. Uh, you're going to hear her Rugrat in a minute, but she did an entire episode about it, and so please go listen to that episode. It's episode 41, and it's called Diamond Smuggling Pigeons. It's really, really well done, and I will put a link to it in the show notes, along with the meme I made. Okay, cool. So I don't know if you knew this, Paul, but this year is the centenary of the death of the last passenger pigeon. Oh. And uh, that was the most numerous bird ever known but it did not survive the colonization of North America. And uh, it is interesting because it is also a relative of the dodo, which is also gone and did not, did not survive civilization. But there are people now that are going to call the rock pigeon, the little pigeon that we have in our cities, um, the super dove, because it has survived us. It's one of the three birds. They're all related. The dodo, the passenger pigeon and the rock pigeon are all related. And the one that we have now is the one that made it, was able to put up with all of our civilization-y nonsense. And they're the ones that survived. So people want to call them the Super Dove. I support that. I support that. Yeah. So I really think- That sounds good to me. Yeah, it's not too much commentary on this, but um, yeah, basically there's a really nice article in the Cornell Lab, a tale of three super doves, the dodo, the rock pigeon, and the passenger pigeon. It's a very long article. There's no way I can read it all to you, but it is super interesting. It goes through the history of all three of those animals and relation to human civilization, and I highly, highly recommend it. I'm going to put the link to it in our show notes, and go give it a, give it a, give it a read. It's it's a longish article. You'll need a nice brimming cup of coffee or tea or whatever, but really fabulous. And yeah, the the uh, comments on calling them super doves is the only surviving super dove, which I think is just great. Nice. I can't wait to read that. Yep. That sounds great. I will read you some of the very last paragraph, but... Uh, the, the person that coined the term super dove summed up its abilities and said they fly faster 
they eat a more diverse diet. They breed early in life and abundantly throughout it and repeatedly during the course of a year. They travel long distances, transplanting themselves into new terrain with the robust impertinence of weeds. They have invaded the concrete environments that the human species constructs for itself. They succeed in living at high population densities in close proximity to people who despise them. They can hear high-frequency sound. They can see ultraviolet. Feral pigeons are something special, different in important ways from wild rock pigeons as well as from domestics. So I give you the monster pigeons, the super doves. I love it. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. Fabulous. Such a good article. Uh, it's great. Yeah, absolutely cool. Love pigeons. These shows have been so fun to make. They really have. Like, they've really gained a lot of respect for pigeons. I, I I love them a lot. They are no longer rats with wings. I always loved them. I never thought they were rats with wings, but now I feel vindicated. <laughs> right. As you should. As you should. They're amazing. All is nest. <laughs> All is nest. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening to this podcast. We really do appreciate it. This podcast has been brought to you with technical support by Matthew Chomo, bed music by Kevin McLeod. Our logo was created by the wonderful and talented Imran Javed. Our vocal talent today was Jennifer Chomo, Stacey and Frosty, and Justine in Santiago. It's time for the Rug Rat Corner. If you have a rugger who is eight years of age or younger and they want to be on our podcast, send us a message on Facebook or email us at varmintspodcast at gmail.com for details. We make it super easy for your rug rat to hear their voice on our podcast. Who do we have today? Uh, today we have Ace. Ace. Ace has something to say about pigeons. She was, uh, she was She was our rug rat on the first Pigeons episode and she's back. Hooray. Just like us. Ace is back. Hello, I'm Ace, age nine, and I have some pigeon and dove jokes. The first one my mom found on some funny joke webpage for pigeons, <laughs> and it was, don't send a pigeon to get soap. It will only ever get dove. <laughs> Next joke. This one I made up myself. Pigeons and doves are literally two birds of a feather. That's all I have today. Bye. <laughs> That's awesome. You are not wrong, Ace. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. As I said, Melissa is her mom, and she's the host of Bewilder Beasts, which is a podcast about animals for the whole family, and Totally Possum, which is a podcast about animals for adults only, and they're both great shows. Thanks, everybody, again for listening, and until next time... Be nice to animals. You know, Paul, this whole thing, I don't think you've ever done your pigeon sound. <laughs> oh, brother. So okay. Fun. I love pigeons. This has been a transmission of the Podfix Network. For more about this show and other great Podfix programs, go to podfixnetwork.com.